The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can also subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. This week, Dave Gillam is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from, oh, we did Philadelphus, Daisy Petals and a lot about weeds. We've also got some top tips on things you can be getting on with in the garden. And because it was Dave Gillam, we've concentrated on dahlias. Plus, plant of the week and events and open gardens across the county. We go straight to your calls and this week we start with... Angela from Springfield. Good morning to you, Ken. Yeah, um, a question. How do you get rid of black fly on the Philadelphus? <laughs> uh, I was going to joke in his over difficulty, but a good spray will get rid of it, yeah. wouldn't it? What M- would you mo- use? Most of the, the bug killers will, will take them out. It's quite early. <clears throat> so you've got bug clear. There's, there's various um, ones out there. You don't need anything specific. So just give them a spray early morning, end of the day, and that should sort of clear them up. Would it be not if I took the ends off, like you do with broad beans, or not? You might take off your flowering ends. You would, wouldn't you? You'd lose your flowers. Oh, yeah, I can't do that. Can I do a plug? Because Springfield have got ten gardens open on June the 16th. Right, if you go, hang on, hang on. If you've got something on June the 16th, we mention them on our podcast, you need to send an email or a letter. Okay. Uh, and, and we put those out. Right, I'll give you the address. It's Ken Crowther at BBC Essex, PO Box 765, Chelmsford, CM29XB, or ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. Now, if you send them in, we put them on the podcast. And I've been doing that earlier this morning, putting the list together, and I, I put them out, and then they're spread across, well, Essex and beyond, so you could get visitors from all over the place. How about that? Is that all right for you? That's fantastic, Ken, and thanks for your advice. Okay, that's a pleasure. That's Angela from Springfield. And don't forget, that's the same for anybody who wants an event or open gardens mentioned across the county. Uh, We go to Maureen now. Now, you're asking about a plant food. Is that right, Maureen? Yes, yes. good morning to you both. I have found in the garage two new uh, boxes of miracle Grow all-purpose soluble plant food, one kilogram. And I have, of course, unopened, but I have opened them now. And the sachets, all the granules seem to be good in the sachet, but I think they've been in there for about three years. (laughs) Can I still use them, or is there a shelf life, please? No, you can use them, they'll be fine. Oh, as long as they feel all right, I can yeah. use them, can I? They're soluble, so they will still break down and do the trick. You only oh. have to worry if stuff is open, don't you? No, inside? no, no, so no, 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 hang on. I, <laughs> what I meant is if they've been open three years ago and sat there in the light with it open, they would have deteriorated, but what I you're saying is fine. But, but no, they're sealed, they're quite huh? in the dark corner, actually. That's how I came to find them. So you think I'll be all right for me to use them then? Yeah, yeah, just, just use as normal. Use as, as, as stated. Use as stated, you're quite right. <laughs> all right, thank you both very much indeed. I've had a quite find, haven't I? <laughs> you have indeed. That's saved you a few quid this week. <laughs> yeah, no shopping this weekend. Um, <laughs> the other thing, it's amazing what people do keep hidden away, oh, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we have to be careful with some of the, the chemicals. Yes. Uh, you know, the insecticides, weed killers and things, because we might still have them, but in theory they may not still be under licence. So old ones of those, do check, it's still valid. 0800 111 That's 0800 111 That's the number to call. Text me, 81333, pop Essex on the front. If not, it gets lost in the system. If the BBC never ends up here. <laughs> Karen from North Weald. Hello, Karen. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. <clears throat> morning. Um, right, I've got uh, a bit of a problem. For me, it's major because I love daisy plants. So I planted a couple of daisy plants mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago, three foot apart. And one has been completely devastated. Something has eaten the petals off of all of the daisies, left the leaves, but completely <laughs> cleared the daisies. 
And there's no sign of a pest on them at all? Can't no? see that. You can't, can't see, see it. Okay. But it's not touched the other one, whatever it is. It's not on Are the other Are they all one. the same colour? Yes, yes. They're oh. white, you know, classic daisy. Yeah. I think, are they margarita daisies or something like that? Marguerites, right. I was trying yeah. to, was low, the word daisy covered so much. It um, does today. Yeah, so marguerites. Uh, if it's just took the flowers off, it, you've still got Sounds any like stems. Birds. Yeah. Is there any stems yes. left out of them? Yeah, no, the stems are fine. Just add the ends the off. The pieces are fine. It's just all the white petals. <laughs> and how high, how high, are the, how high is, the, is the flower off the ground? Right, it's about... Um, Six inches, seven inches, uh, something yeah. like that. Probably a pigeon. Pigeon. Do you think? Yeah, they've think? just plucked the petals out. Perhaps those playing sort of she loves me, she loves me not, or something going around there. But <laughs> <laughs> they will. There can't be a pest. No, the, the, you know the sl- things like slug snails and, and general other pests like that. They're not that selective. Yeah, just to oh, pick petals they? out and, and take flower heads off. Um, it's quite likely to be a bird, and you'll probably find that okay. the. Petals taste better than the rest. Okay, <laughs> but okay, don't try thank them. You. All right, that's lovely, and that was Karen from Northfield, and we go to Sunny South End to talk to Steve. Good morning, both of you. Hi. Good morning. Uh, I have a problem with one of these. Um, <laughs> when we had that good weather back in February, we had about ten days of nice sunshine. Yeah. I planted peas, dwarf beans, put me first earlies in. No problem, I planted runner beans. Well, everything else grew except me runner beans, so I thought, right, uh, it might have been old beans, I'll go and get some new ones. So I've investigated, there's no beans, so I've replanted the new, new crop, and I'm still not getting anything to uh, germinate. Are, the, are you planting... This come up on my allotments this last week pro- or so. It's a problem, runner There beans. is a problem with runner beans, it seems, and particularly the self-fertile ones, the self-setting um, ones, like, and they're generally white-flowered. Um, are these... What variety are you trying to grow? Um, I don't know. Is it a white or a red? A uh, red. Red. All right. Because the white ones... I mean, the guys have been doing it for years and years yeah. and years, and suddenly they can't get them to germinate, even in pots... Yeah. Um, it tends to sort itself out the later you get in the season. It ha- and the fluctuating, we've had terrible fluctuating yeah. temperatures. Up and down, up and down. Yeah. I've, I've never struggled with it, but I've always put them on heat, you know, on a bottom heat, started them off right. first and planted the plant, and you pretty much get 100%. Going yeah. into the ground, it's a bit strange. We've been waiting for the ground to get to about 10 degrees, which is ideal growing, hasn't and it hasn't there. really it's not got there, there, is it? No. So although it's sunny and it's warm, it's the ground temperature that will trigger a change. Um, and once it sort of stays 10 degrees day and night, then stuff gets away. And that's when we see stuff in the gardens really start motoring in growth. So yeah. I'll keep going. I'll soak them before you plant them. Oh, right. Um, sometimes helps, it, it? sometimes helps. So just soak them overnight, pop them in, um, and you'll find later in the year they will germinate or try to stir them into cell trays or pots first and then at least you know you've got my way and plant the plant yeah, i did plant some in the plot and i also planted some in pots as a backup yeah even even the pots are not uh, no it's just temperature wise if, you, if you've got any way of giving them some bottom heat you know a heat, a heat mat or something like that right. you'll find you'll have them up in a couple of days but uh, it's, it's not something i'm doing wrong it's just no it, yeah you're, you're just joining the club of many i think yeah i think so as well i think that is true let's go to harlow now to talk to eve hello eve hello both um it's it's to do with garden as such but um what i would like to say is um appeal to people to put um water out for the birds because um it, it's very dry isn't it it in is indeed country very um, dry I mean, excuse me, I put water in my bird bath yesterday and it was evaporated this morning. It was absolutely dry. So that is one thing. Okay. Another thing is um, I've got lots of wasp-type things floating around the water. They seem to be drinking it and then just flying off. Are they they like very small wasps? Yes. I would think they're hoverflies. Oh, and they are very beneficial to the garden because they're great pollinators, aren't they, Dave? Yeah, they're a useful little thing. They tend to fly a bit more erratically than a, a wasp does, this little dart left, right, up, you know, around. 
Um, but they yeah, do seem to sort of yeah. come up to the water more so than wasps would naturally. I, I feel my bird bath up, or someone indoors feels my bird bath up very regularly, and it, it's great for, for watering the dog mostly because she goes out there and drinks <laughs> from it. But, um, yeah, we do need a bit of water out there. There's not much, There's not you know, much at all. lurking around fire puddles in any other way because we've not had much rain, have we? Does that help you, Eve? Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> okay, that's Eve from Harlow with a message and also some advice on those funny little flies. Um, I'm just going to talk... Yeah, I'll talk to Anne from Benfleet and then we'll go to the travel because we want to check out the travel. But uh, Joe, wait a minute, I'm sure. Anne from Benfleet, what you got in your garden that's causing you problems? Oh, good morning. I haven't, but it's my daughter. She's got a lot of succulents in her greenhouse. And they're suffering with mealy bug. Yeah, they How do. Get rid of it. Um, you, well, isn't it? you can only spray them, really. But you some spray. She said it, it kills them, and then they sort of seem to go on to the next one. Yeah, do you, you, with spraying, you need to do almost like a program. So you do it once, and then you give it week, ten days, do it again, and All spray. Right everything rather than just the yes. ones that you're seeing that are affected because quite often you'll spray the one you see and there's stuff ready to come on the others that you can't see yet so you've just got to break the cycle so once give it week 10 days do it again and you should break the cycle and she's got to watch if it, they're in a greenhouse did you say yes, they are, yes. yeah you've got to watch obviously for strong sunlight mm. because you'll then burn with the spray you've got to do it you know in best shade in or evening, really. evening or very early morning evening's best yeah got all night yeah. spray them all yes spray everything but yeah. do, and repeat seven to ten days after all right Lovely. thank you let's look now at plant of the week and i'm going for wigelia or wigelia or however you like to pronounce it it's a genus of somewhere 6 to 38 different species. They're a deciduous shrub, uh, and they're from the family of Caprifoliaceae. Uh, they can grow from 3 to 15 foot high, and they're named after a German scientist. I'll tell you what, a lot of plants are named after Germans. It's a native of Eastern Asia. Its leaves are ovate, 5 to 15 centimetres. They've got sort of serrated margins, but the flowers, 2 to 4 centimetres, and they're in sort of clusters, so they're very attractive. White, pinks, reds, and they get all these clusters several together, so it looks really good. Out of interest, the fruits have a dry capsule, and it contains sort of wing seeds, so in fact, they can get seed generated around your garden. They were imported to the UK, or to England particularly, in 1845. Uh, the British Wigelia collection is in the Shenfield, not Shenfield, but Sheffield Botanical Gardens, which is a new one on me. I didn't know that. I've just found that out. There are now many good hybrid crosses of Florida and the Asiatic varieties, and you get Pink Princess, Florida Variegator, Red Prince... Follis purpurea and Alexandra. So there are some great plants out there and they really come into their own about now. They'll tolerate pretty well any position. Um, as long as it's well-drained, uh, they will grow. Prune after flowering. Give them a good hard prune if you want to keep them fairly compact. If you want to let them grow, do less pruning. It's as simple as that. Um, what else do you want to know about them? How do you propagate them? Well, you propagate them softwood cuttings in about a month or so's time and hardwood cuttings in the autumn, leave them in the ground and they can sit there till next year and they will have rooted. They are Wigelia, great plant for a great garden. So go out, think of getting one. Keep it small. Some of the varieties are smaller than others, particularly uh, Wigelia Florida. So they are. There's one to look out for. Wigelia. Hello, Ray, from West <laughs> Malone. How can we help you? Right, um, I've bought uh, in the week an evergreen azalea hotshot variegated azalea japonica. Yeah. The whole uh, thing. <laughs> is that an evergreen or a disease? Is evergreen, it is evergreen it? Yeah. with a white and green leaf, bright pinky yeah. red flowers. Well, yeah, I'm, I made the mistake of planting it with the existing soil and some topsoil. Right. And it started to wilt... And uh, and it said ericaceous plant. Yeah. So I bought some um, some uh, uh, J. Arthur Brewer's um, multi-purpose compost. compost, 
and hoping that would that would be you know suffice. Was it was it in a pink bag? Uh, it yes, to be... like orange, orange, orangey bag. Mm. It doesn't sound that like aerocaceous like compost. Aerocaceous yeah. goes pink on it, doesn't it? You need you need aerocaceous compost, and it'll say aerocaceous is a terrible word, and it means not a lot to anyone. But acid-based compost, <laughs> acid, acid compost, um, and they're generally always pink. Or oh, there's a pink banner on there. So if you can find one of those, that's the stuff you need for azaleas, rhodes, camellias, skimmias. Thing, all those so, same plants. So have I, you, I, I hope I haven't lost it. <laughs> no, no, not give in it a short time. Give it won't. a give it a good water before you. If you're going to replant, just take it out and give it a good water yeah. while it's out, yeah. wouldn't you? And then replant it and see the compost, ericaceous compost around. You're going to probably spend about three times as much on compost now as, as you, you have will to on plant. the plant. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, some of the you know some of the leaves are coming off already, and I've only yeah. and I only planted it Thursday evening. Someone's just moving a plant, planting it, to, you know, to serve their roots, and that will give them a little, um, little shock, and they lose a few leaves. But just keep it right. well watered and make sure it's in aerocaceous compost. Okay, thank you very much. That's a pleasure. Uh, they are. It uh, it is tricky, um, and azaleas and rhododendrons are really coming into their own. They're much more popular than they were, aren't they? they yeah, it's, it's a real do. swing and increase. Isn't I think they? with the rhodes, they're, they're getting shorter. You know, some of the dwarf varieties, yes. large flat, really large flowers on shorter plants, so they, they suit a smaller garden again, where they used to just be over too big to to handle. Let's go to Mick now. Hello, Mick. Oh yeah. Good morning. Um, I wanted to talk about um, uh, lilac uh, trees that I've got around yeah. my garden. Okay. I, did, I spoke to you um, oh, a couple of years ago when we first moved to this property, but I'm getting my way through the woodland. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's. Um, did I've you send four... Did you send me some pictures once? No, I didn't. No. Oh, because no, someone did up up your minded. way. Because up your way, somebody sent me a picture of a, a garden that was a few years. This is a couple of years ago. And right. I wonder whether it was you, but no, carry no, on then. No, you were no. working through the trees, are you? Right, yeah. Now I've got um, around the property, there's four, total of four lilacs. Um, they are not very productive and they've just finished a few blooms. Mm. Some of the trunks are about six inches in diameter. And then there's uh, other trunks coming off of those, which are maybe three or four inches. I feel that I should be uh, attacking them probably after they've, they've bloomed, but I don't quite know where to start. <laughs> I like the attacking. Attack, yeah. <laughs> let's, let's be kind. Let's say pruning, shall we? <laughs> pruning, yeah. um, it, it's not necessary, is it, Dave, really? It's not, but sometimes I've seen some pretty old, tired lilacs about. With a bit of top growth and top not growth, much else. nothing else. I, I mean, if it was me... Yeah. I, I'd probably I'm a bit bit more chop it and run, but um, I'd get the pruning saw out. I'd take out some of the really old growth and prune right. back some of the newer. How low would you cut it then, Dave? Well, if if you can thin them out a bit, or it's very old stuff, then I'd go quite hard. I mean, they will shoot from what, from old quite wood. low to the ground. Yeah, yeah, and, and then just reduce the newer growth, perhaps by half. Um, right, and then you okay. may encourage some low growth from the old stuff, which will. In a couple Fluff of years, will yeah. then flower. Which will flower, yeah. and the new stuff should flower then next year. So could you cut this six inch down to, what, a foot high? Yeah. It depends yeah. where your branches come off. If, if, if everything is above that, you're going to end up with a foot, foot stump. But um, try to, to just reduce down the older stuff more, the newer right. stuff slightly less, and you'll probably okay. find you won't lose flower and get a fresher a fresher plant. Does, okay. that help, does that help you, Mick, on that one? Well, that, that does on that one, and also we've now found a, a laburnum, yeah, which uh, is about thirty foot high. Uh-huh. There's bloom on the top of it, but yep. you know it seems to be a bit wasted right up there. I wonder what um, they don't. We, they really that, don't like if, being if, pruned. And if it's that old, you've done well for it to still be alive. Because <laughs> really? they're, yeah, their lifespan is quite short, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So. Definitely leave well alone. Yeah, leave it alone. If, if if you think it's not really adding anything to the garden, take it out, put, plant right. a new plant. That's um, another one which has got a huge, um, that's four or five thick old stumps coming out of it, yeah. you know. So, um, they really don't few. like being chopped around too much. Um, right. You've got okay. to plant them and leave them. But as I say, plants have their, their shelf life and sometimes you think, well, I've had good value out of you. Out you go. Let's try yeah. something different. Yeah, it's my predecessor. People used to live here 
before obviously planted up a lot of these things mm. and really weren't able to keep, keep up with the maintenance no, or keep on top of it. You know. But laburnums generally, you wouldn't prune much at all, no. even as a young tree. You'd only uh, prune it into shape to start with mm. and then you leave them alone. Right. Um, and what's, I mean, I would only give a laburnum 20 year max, yeah. really. Yeah, that's about yeah, it. Yeah. I, I think it's. Yeah, that's probably about it, I reckon. So you're most likely just enjoy it. Enjoy it or yeah, get rid of it, as, as Dave says. <laughs> does that help you a bit, Mick? Yeah, it does. It, um, I'll have a go at the, uh, the lilac. And um, uh, Is it just after they bloom that you start uh, pruning them, or is there a time... Mm. You've got more chance of getting some flour next year if you do it soon after yeah, flowering this. Okay. And it wouldn't hurt to feed it with a granular feed yeah. around the base bit as well. A bit of grow more right. on the and bone yeah. and plenty of water. Okay. okay. All right. Excellent. Thanks very much. That's Mick from Bilderston near Suffolk, in Suffolk. And we're going to Angie now, I think. Yeah, we're going to Angie. And she's again in sunny South End. What are we talking about, Angie? Oh, hi. Good morning to you both. Um, um, it's about my fruit trees, my uh, uh, pear tree, apple tree, plum tree. The tips of it are um, going um, black and falling off. The the fruit or the tips of the plant? Yeah. I don't know why. They're no, really hang on, healthy hang on. trees growing hang really well. Angie, um, Angie. I don't know why that's happening. Angie, yes. is it the fruit or is it the tips of the leaves? The growing, growing plants. The growing points right. of the branches. Oh. Right. Aphids. It is. Yeah. Um, you'll probably find in amongst those tips, or has been or will, will have been, um, aphids, and they, they tend to do, attack the new growth on, on fruit trees, particularly this time of year. Um, oh, so the I only do? way. Well, you could tip them out, prune them out if you needed to, but um, or spray, really. What's, is there, there's not a lot to spray with, is there? What can we use um, today? Well, most things now haven't got the longevity that they used to, so you, you know, you're not going to eat the fruit for, for many weeks yet. So you, you're at this stage of the game, you could pretty much use any of them to, okay. to do the job. Um, you still can get uh, contact, pure contact killers, so effectively fruit and veg, you can spray and eat so within a day of doing so. Um, but okay, this sorry, time of year, what, what can I spray on it? Any of the bug killers. A what? Any bug killer. Uh, any bug killer. Okay. All right. Yeah, All right. yeah, that's fantastic news. Thank you. And if they persist, take the tip out. You can knock them out with your fingers, yeah. your finger and thumb, can't you? Just yeah. knock the tip out as well. Um, we're going to go oh, just down the road to Chelmsford. We're in Chelmsford, aren't we, John? Hello, John. Hello where are you in the garden? Are you in the garden, John? No, I'm talking uh, hands-free in my car. I'm just waiting <laughs> for my wife in the town. Oh, as one does, <laughs> yes. Um, Takes it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what would you like to talk about, John? I've got a jasmine uh, trackload spermum. Yeah. And it's shedding all its leaves. Yep. Um, it's turning a bit orange as well in places, but Actually, it was lovely cold. and green right through the winter. Cold on new growth. It's normally they do have a bit of a or shed as a new growth. Yeah, is it in the ground coming. or in a container? Sorry to interrupt. Is it yeah. in the ground or in a container? It's in a container. Yeah. Growing. It, it's trained to go up the um, side of my neighbour's garage wall. Okay, so, Dave. Dave. It, yeah. Normally that happens in winter, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does normally happen in winter. It's. I, I would say you've. We've probably it's got a bit dry and it's shedding some leaves okay. they do also yeah. shed some leaves when new growth comes so it's a bit of a sort of combination of all, all events it's been dry for a long time now um, in a container that will that will have an effect and the new growth starting to come and the flower buds have been thinking about forming um, and they do tend to go through a bit of a shedding period as that comes along so I will just make sure it's got plenty of water um, and yep. keep it well watered. You'll and the feed, find. a bit of feed. Yeah, a bit of feed, a bit of, bit of um, growing more blood well. fish and bone, okay. seaweed. Yeah. Um, just to yeah. just flush it back through into growth and you'll find it'll thicken up. It'll come back. Yeah. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah, thanks for your help. I hope she doesn't keep you waiting too long. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, that used to be, um, what was it called? They always, they're 
get sold at the wrong places as jasmines, yeah, and they're, they're like, not jasmines. Trackless sperm and jasminoides, yeah. but they seem to switch the words around sometimes, but it's not actually a jasmine. You see a lot, I, I know I've seen them on markets just as, as jasmines, jasmines, and yeah. they're not jasmines. It um, bugs me a bit. But you, <laughs> when you're in the plant business, yeah. you know, when you w- deal with them all the time, it does irritate you that people sell things as... It's like syringa, isn't it? Yeah. It's sold incorrectly, and oh, yes. we won't go there. I'll get on my. I'll get on my. Get uh, off that horse, Ken. Get off the horse. Yeah. Get some Christian stuff. Let's go to John from Waltham. Hello, John. Uh, hello there, Ken. Hello, Mick. Um, you're talking about laburnum a few yes. minutes ago. Yeah. And not being very long lived. Um, back in 1968, uh, laburnum was planted opposite where I live, and it was taken out last year because it was diseased. Mm. That had gone 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. They can. However... They often don't. They often don't. Yeah, huge, actually, as One of the the reasons is they've got a very... um, They haven't got a very fibrous root. No. It's quite a thick... It's a bit like a dahlia root. They have thick, chunky roots. Mm. And they don't produce a huge amount of root. And often, if we get... A bad weather. If you say get a wet season, they can't cope as well because they don't grow lots of new fibrous roots very quickly. Yeah. And there's been yeah, there's been a bit yeah, of disease about them. They don't topple over though, do they? No, they the, just no. <laughs> they've got these heavy, thickish roots. They're they're a strange tree, but yeah. I mean, you just get whole limbs decide that they're not going to grow yeah. again, and they just look a bit crispy, curly, just mm. to look stunty. But yeah, this this one continued to look. Have, really beautiful flowering every year and then it it, it appeared it just rotted from inside mm, yeah john they are, i mean i think i agree with you they are a beautiful flowering tree you know um they're linked to wisteria family aren't they yeah, they're the similar, same, similar family yeah yeah, yeah, yeah there's the flower, a lot of poisonous yeah, things about them isn't there which is why i don't think they plant yeah the see some of them the ones that used to be sold most likely that one if yeah. it's that old would have been what is it Vossio, Vossio. Right? was that Vossio, the, yeah. was the poisonous one yeah. wasn't it they were everywhere, weren't they? All the new estates used to plant them because it was just lovely. My dad new had one in tree. his front garden. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> and then they got a bit frightened about kids and the. the I used the to eat them. Pods used to things. make me sick, but I used to eat them. <laughs> <laughs> Not to be recommended at home, please. No, but no. Seriously, um, the newer varieties haven't got a poisonous pod. Have they, they seem to have tried sort to get around it. Yeah. Yeah. But again, don't try them unless no, you don't know what try. it is. <laughs> Leave them alone. Leave them alone. But, John, that's a very nice call because it is nice to hear that, uh, you know, there's some lovely old trees about, and there are in all sorts of species, aren't there, John? There are, yeah. And it didn't, I mean, this one sadly has gone now, but <laughs> it, it gave us its money's worth. Has it got anything else there? They've replanted it? Um, they put something else in. I'm not sure what it is. Oh. It's <laughs> obviously not going to grow that much. No. Watch, no. watch this space, eh, John? I for will. You? I'll, if, it, if it turns into anything recognisable, I'll let you know. <laughs> OK, John, that's very nice of you to give us a call about that because uh, that is what this programme's about, is talking about plants, survivals, uh, non-survivals, successes. We like to hear successes as well as uh, others. Now, talking... Oh, did I mention wisterias? A Meryl from... West Hanningfield has called us about a, a wisteria, haven't you, Meryl? Yes, I have. Good morning, guys. Um, Good morning. I've got wisteria with fantastic foliage, but I've got no flowers. What, have I, what am I doing wrong? And I know why you're saying this, because everybody else has got loads of flowers. <laughs> I know. I look at my neighbours and they're fantastic, <laughs> and there I am, minus my flowers. Uh, how long has that plant been in? Um, they've been in about... Five, six years. Did right. it flower last year? Not very much. The odd one. Hmm. It's it, that's still quite young for a, a plant. Depends, obviously, if it's grafted, um, which I'm sure it probably was. If you had some flowers last year, yeah, um, they tend to flower quicker. But it is quite young, and, and sometimes it's a, it's the pruning uh, methods on younger plants will encourage the flowering. It seems to be really as they get older. I mean, we've got one on the on the garden centre, growing over probably a twenty-five foot Portuguese laurel, and it just rambles over the top. And every year, it's smothered in flowers, and it, we don't touch it. You can't touch it because it's you up a tree. Yes, if you'd like to come and have a look at it, you can take a picture, and then that will remind you what they should look like. <laughs> but, um, and what about these long spirally bits? come out of them like from about six inches to that, about two foot long that's your so new I growth those or cut them away yeah th- those are the ones that you really want to cut down to a couple of buds or 
perhaps three or four inches. Right. Um, and those will hopefully ripen, and those will be your flowering shoots or stems for next year. Oh, well, that's so promising. So you normally you do that really June, July, would you, Ken? Yeah. June, yep. June, end of June. End of yeah. June. End of June. Go no, through the whole plant and just make them all little stubs. You'll get a lovely new flush of growth again, but those stumps that you leave behind of this year's growth should be next year's flowering stems. Lovely. And what's the best feed for them to encourage the flowers? Well, just feed the plant, but really probably the best one to encourage the flowers is no feed because they tend to flower when they get restricted, but just a, a general blood, fish and bone, grow more or something too like much. that. Not too much. Okay, lovely. Okay, guys, thanks. Enjoy your programme. Back to your gardening questions in just a little while, but on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we always have some top tips on things that you might think of getting on in the garden. Now, with me today, I've got Dave Gillen. Now, if any of you are regular listeners, you will know that Dave Gillen is our Mr Dahlia. So Dave Gillen's on Dahlia's, and we're going to get some real top tips from him today. Let's hope so. Come on, where do we start, Dave? <laughs> well, it is that time of the year. Hopefully, the frosts have gone. Well, I hope so because there's 400 plants in my allotment. So <laughs> there we go. Be. Yeah. So uh, it's a good time to plant. And dahlias are getting more and more popular out of all of the summer flowering bulbs that we're seeing through through work. They are the ones that are, are seeing some growth, and others are disappearing away. It's really, strange, isn't it? it is. I think it's it's a promise on knowing what you're going to get and I think people are understanding now what they're going to get from dahlias colour and show and long term yeah. display so they're popular and so there'll be a lot of you out there with your dahlias going shall I shan't I shall I shan't I because I, I get the questions as well so if you're going to plant and it's a good time I think we're clear now to plant I have so I hope we are um, ground preparation is key they are a hungry thing they don't just want to sit there and get on with it so if you can add some blood fish and bone or Q4, if you can find that, that's not about that's as much as it was. Vitex Q4, yeah. Q4, or grow more. Get that into the ground, and, and ideally, you'd, you would have done this a week or so ago, because these things take a little while to start working. They're not an instant Don't just feed. put it in with the daily. And I hope it's going to start working, though. <clears throat> so if we can do that in advance, so if you're going to plant them next week, prep the ground this week. Just fork it over, open it up, so you get a good, nice root run. They, don't, they do like to spread their roots out, but only in the surface of the soil. If you've got any organic matter, mix that in as well before you plant. So, right, so we've got the ground prepared. Yeah. What's next? Digging a hole. <laughs> right. But most people tend to just scratch a hole out, put the plant in nice and level, and it all looks lovely. I tend to dig my holes with a spade. Right. So I dig a nice big hole. It looks far too big. Put the plant in. But before that, add some poultry pellets. Dahlias do like the old chicken poo. There's and it doesn't matter if they're touching the no, natural No, tube. that seems fine, because when you're back filling, you're mixing them a bit anyway. So a handful in and around the area will always help, and they are quite instant acting. Um, I have also in the past put a little spoonful of the swell gel, the moisture-retaining crystals, in the hole. If we're having a dry summer, that could be an it ideal thing. It just hold the water a bit longer under the roots. Put the plant in lower than the surrounding soil and when you backfill you can make like a well around the plant then because you've dug a big enough hole so when you're watering the water goes to the plant and not runs off over the bed which you can which it often does because we water and you get that pan on the top and off goes the water so it also helps if you're hoeing through the season that hole will backfill and you're almost earthing up the dahlia like a potato and that will grow new roots yeah, there's some top tips on dahlias, and I tell you what, we're going to persuade Dave to give some more tips a bit later on in the podcast. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hi, a bit of a different question here. Right, I'm one of those unlucky people who get bitten and stung to hell with all the horrible insects of every variety. Is there any particular plants and bushes you say not to have because they attract them, or indeed anything I can plant that would help repel them? <laughs> I mean, they're seriously bad, I, you know. It's quite a hard <laughs> one, isn't it, that? Because generally anything that will... Um, anything flowers. Flowering will, intra- will attract insects because that's the nature of their uh, their thing. So, you know, if you want a, an evergreen structural garden, then that would 
discourage um, any pollinators. But, but even evergreens will flower if not pruned yeah. and trimmed on a regular basis. So it is a bit, you could do it if you went ultra modern, you know, sculpt, uh, Grass, oh. grasses, but they still flower. They flower. Grasses, evergreens, structural, strong plants that you can perhaps prune before they flower and things like that. But the moment you have flowers, um, you will get insects of all kinds because they all have a, a job, a job to do. And generally, we're promoting pollinating plants because there's a, a, a shortage of them out there. So you'd have to go against the grain a little bit there. And that's how we get our food because we've got pollinating insects. So it's a difficult one, isn't it, Ruth? It really is because I'm just so unlucky. But even just having just the window open a little bit, they would just come in and just bite me to hell. And I thought, oh no. <laughs> okay, what about what do you as gardeners, because you have to spend all your time outside, which I don't. What what do you put on yourself to protect yourselves? We what don't. Nothing. Really I don't. <laughs> don't. Nothing at all. Some um, people use things like anti. Is it anti sen and all that? Yeah. I don't know whether some stuff like that. There no. are uh, there are repellents that you can buy, aren't there? That there you are. Can, I, I you think, put on your skin. I mean, I I fish as well. And when you're sitting next to, yeah. to water, you get mozzies. You get mozzies, and I normally come away fairly unscathed. But others are sitting next to me and get eaten alive. So. I think, unfortunately, some people seem to be uh, yes. unluckier than others. I think, I think you must, you know, they you must, must taste think, great. You must, yes, they must like you. <laughs> what do you reckon, Ruth? Well, I'm just unlucky because I always end up having to go to hospital for treatment oh, or having no to good, go to doctors. I know, but even like just mosquitoes and mm, yeah. bats, anything, I mean, anything and everything, and they will find me. <laughs> I, would go, I would go to a good pharmacist and chat through the problem with a pharmacist and I'm sure they'll have something that they recommend. There's some pretty good repellents There's some good out repellents there, but... today. There are some also bug repellents, electronic bug repellents yeah. that you can get as well. Oh, I, that might I, be an idea. Yeah, that you could put... it's just a pure misery. My life is yeah. a misery. They're much like it. you see in the old butchers like, where you see the fluorescent yeah. tubes and it tracks them and gives them a bit of a zap when they get there. I remember trialling one for mosquitoes years ago, but I don't know whether it worked or not. I never, I can't remember. It's too long ago, <laughs> but they do exist. All right? All right. Thank you very much. A pleasure, Ruth. Um, and we go now to, where should we go? Should we go to Peter in, I'll tell you what, I'm going to jump a bit here, actually. Um, go to a text, because how do I get rid of caterpillars? We were talking about evergreens to her, mm. weren't we? How do I get rid of caterpillars attacking my box bushes? Now, this is the box caterpillar, isn't it? This has been the uh, question of the last fortnight at work, people coming in. There's a lot of it about. Yeah. Now, she's saying, is Dippel? Dippel, not What do you reckon she's, she's Dippel any good? Dippel? Never heard of it. No. Right, what, would, what, what is there? There is a spray, isn't there? Well, again, they really are just caterpillars, and I've generally been recommending... Um, the resolver bug killer, which seems to be as generic, you know, as broad a spectrum um, killer as any, um, and sometimes it's not been used that much, so there isn't that sort of inherent sort of tolerance to, to to the makeup of it. But um, yeah, I mean they're caterpillars, and they they appear, they munch. By the time you've noticed they appeared, they've munched. So it's a little bit of a hard one. You just got to really just contact kill them um, when you see them and when you can. Give the hedge a, a little trim up, give it some water, a bit and of feed, and let try to flush some new growth from there it. Is, there is, um, um, is there a, what do you call it? There's a buxer trap, they call a it. A trap. Which is yeah. a pheromone trap. Um, very expensive. I, don't, I really don't know why they're quite so expensive. But, um, yeah, buxer trap, which is a, was a, a, a Bayer product, I think, but it's now changed their names. Um, and it's much like the apple and plum pheromone trap that you use apart from it's a plastic container um, and you have to use refill liquids in there it's quite an expensive way to um, control them but it you know it does work again if it's used in the right way put out at the right time um, to, to attract the adults before they breed and before you end up with all the caterpillars there is a spray called Dippel, but I actually don't know what it actually does. No. Um, so... I would imagine most, most of the insecticides will treat the caterpillar. It's just trying to treat it before they munch through your plants. And it's Dippel's a biological one, but mm. a lot are. But it's just... they go, Are they going to wipe out box, do you think? I think we're just 
live, around live it, with it, live with be it. living with it, like yeah. we do with lots of other stuff. They're, they're, around they're the everywhere. But I think just we learn to control, we learn to preempt it happening. You know, much like with the woolly aphids and scale insects and you know things like that on roses and and the hydrangeas. You know when they're going to start happening, so you can preempt it and then start treating beforehand. So it's easier to hold something off than it is to treat a problem. Okay, so they are. Keep an eye on it. Rita from Morden. Hello, Rita. Hello there. Uh, I haven't a question, but I, I wondered if listeners would like to know about a beautiful buttercup meadow at Little Baddo, uh, Paper Mill Lock, opposite the tea rooms. Uh, we passed there yesterday. Uh, it's a rare site, and it must be one of the best in the county. I just wondered if people <coughs> would like to go there. That's, that's very nice <clears throat> sorry it's very nice of you to tell us and in fact yeah. i was commenting the other day when driving is that because we now hardly local authorities don't <laughs> cut grass very much mm-hmm. they use they use no weed killers on yeah. grass verges anymore we actually, I mean, it's like dandelion time. I couldn't believe how many roundabouts are actually covered in, in dandelion yeah. and looking yeah. actually very attractive. I know all those seeds are going to end up in somebody's garden, possibly, but um, <laughs> it has made a difference yeah. to our to yeah. our. I think that, driving, that field you're it? talking about does sort of get lay very wet through the winter. It gets a bit sort of flooded like and so on, which is why the buttercups are really doing well there. Yeah. I know, I know. Some paper mill lot. We go down there for a, for a stroll now and again with a dog. Mm. But um, yeah, I'm sure I know where you mean. And it, it, it is. Mm. There was a lot of buttercup there, and they're yeah. they're having their time. They're very uplifting. Yes. yes. Thank yeah. you very much. It's very nice to hear because we do like you know good good things. Good things are good to are good to hear about as well. Uh, let's now talk to Peter from Basildon. What's up, Peter? Hello, Ken. Uh, yeah, um, <coughs> I've just taken all, well, Monday, I took all my French marigolds out of my greenhouse that I grow every year, thousands of them, and they've all been eaten. <laughs> what, you mean, though? No- and you're going to say slugs. It's not slugs. My greenhouse is full of wood lice. And we're now going to say wood lice don't eat green stems, aren't we? I knew you were going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) So, what's been eating my... And it's not slugs, because... I read slugs, slugs. Don't read slugs, Dave. Let's go for slugs. go for slugs. Well, there can't be much else, to be honest. I mean, it certainly isn't wood lice. Um... Could it be caterpillar? Caterpillar? Could be a moth caterpillar. A moth caterpillar. How do you know this? I've it's all around. I've been through these plants. Something terrible. Have you been through them at night as well? Hey, have you been, been out there at night? Been out there at night. I'm out here all night. <laughs> <laughs> I've been out here since seven o'clock this morning. Yeah, it's just some of the moth caterpillars only really appear do the job of a night and disappear. Once right. they've they've cleared it, they've cleared it, and you won't they won't hang around for for the next feast tomorrow. They, so, they've just done their job are you spray are you going to spray them have they just eaten all the green away i mean what are you left with no well, they, they, they've, they, they've just nipped them right off at the stumps oh yeah and, oh uh come on plants, nipped them right off the stumps you got any mice mice, mice. yeah <laughs> that sounds like mice mice or shrews will do it but mice will do that they tell just the young plants have them off at the top well, that could be mine. If there was any peas out there, they'd have them first. No, they don't, I don't grow peas. <laughs> no. But, uh, um, all the cucumbers are gone. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Do you get? Have, do you put food waste in your bins anywhere? Only out the front, and my greenhouse is in the back. Right. Because mm. rats, the... mice. <laughs> that sounds like mice, rats, yeah. shrews. There ain't much that would take a top of a plant off at the stem. No. You know, certainly slugs. Or a rabbit. Snails, yeah. Rabbits, anything with teeth would, would do that. But mice will just sort of chomp the tops off of things. I've had it a few times, generally uh-huh. on, on younger seedlings, but um, it's, there's a chance. OK, we'll be back to your calls and all your texts in just a little while. But um, let's take a final look at something you could be getting on with. And what did we promise you? We promised you dahlias because Dave Gillen's our dahlia man. Now, come on. We've uh, prepared the ground earlier on in the podcast. We 
planted the dahlia. Yeah. What else have we got to do to them? Don't we just let them grow? Just let them get on with it. No, no. I mean, it, they will do, and they're, they're very resilient plants. Although they've got hollow stems and, and do like water, they'll also get by in pretty dry years. But you won't get the best out of them. And that's, you know, I grow them to get the best. So if you can plant them, they're in, keep them watered. Once a week, probably a good watering can full, that's enough at the plant because it's a, a big water that will stay there for a while and it also helps the roots go down early on rather than the old splash and dash as it's it no good it, is it? it doesn't help no. it doesn't do anything so i would say one watering can full once a week or half a can twice a week is enough to keep them going if you're going to feed them then i tend just to use a generic soluble feed in the miracle grow there is a, a grocery one as well, but that tends to be better later. So that's not a bad way to start. And it's it's a good feed that will just strengthen the plant up. Now, people hate chopping the plant up. They hate cutting the tops out of them. But it is crucial. Well, as a young plant? As a young plant. So I tend to plant my plants, give them about a week in the ground just so they can settle in. And you almost see them sort of put their arms out as, as they settle into the ground and the leaves just broaden up. If you can cut the top of the plant down so that you're leaving four pairs of leaves that's the sort of magic number about four three if you can if, if not that will give you at least eight flowering shoots going through into the that's season good, rather than holding on for that one that first one that is never any good I mean, we do it with broad beans and all sorts of vegetables yeah. and flowers, anti-rhinums, you chop the middles out to make them bush. So it's, it's the same principle. It, I can see why people don't think it is necessary. No, because they, they think they're going to cut a flower out. Yeah. But what you're actually doing is encouraging eight flowers to come a lot sooner than the one. And the other side of it as well is if you allow that centre to flower, the lateral growth, the side growths that come, come higher up in the plant. Yep. So then that will make that plant more top-heavy. It will be more resili uh, less resilient to wind, falling over and damage. So if you can get that plant to grow from low down first, then it should have a good season on ongoing. Is there anything else that we've got to look out for then? Well, there is the odd bug. Yep. <laughs> the, uh, Keeping out for, what is it, aphids are worst? Aphids are probably um, the worst as far as on the plant and slugs. You know, slug, ring the dinner bell when you put the dahlia plants out because slugs love them, just like putting out your cabbages and everything else. So really use slug pellets. It's probably the best control still, but use them as directed. Don't overuse them. I've seen so many people out oh, in the allotment, scattering, like they're feeding the chickens, you know, out there scattering them around. And remember, there is a bait element in there. There is an attractant. So if you want to attract every slug in your garden or next door's garden around to your plants put loads down because that's what will happen so just it's about 10 11 pellets per square meter it's nothing is it you wouldn't notice it and that's all you need and that will deal with those that are in the area and protect the plant but won't encourage them all in and the most of the slug pellets now are actually safer anyway yes they? yeah i think the metaldehyde ones now that's are gone, pretty much they? yeah they're, they're off the shelves now and we're on to the non ones they're still Obviously, they are still a poison. Just they're organic-based, but organic things are also poisonous. So don't think that you know you're putting out sweets. They are still a pest control product, but use them wisely and get the best effect from them, rather than overuse and wonder why they're not working. Well, that's a great dahlia tip from Dave Gillam, our dahlia expert. It's now time to let you all know about some of those events around the county, including open gardens. So they are, send them along to ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk and we can tell the rest of the county. So let's start with some of the National Garden Scheme gardens. Punch Bowl, The Street, High Easter, Chelmsford, give you the code a bit later on. Admission £5. This is on Wednesday the 29th of May. So those of you at home can get along to see this one, can't you? Um, it's found in the village centre next to the church. This garden offers a mixture of mature shrubs and trees, coloured theme, herbaceous borders, lawns and paths, leading to sort of spaces littered with animal sculptures. So go along there. That's open Wednesday the 29th, 2 till 5, admission of £5. CM14QW, the punch bowl. De 8 Dean Court. Yep, go and along and see some fantastic... Uh, well, I hope she's got some clematis because she used to be a great 
Clematis Grower, that's 18 Court, Chignall Road, Chelmsford. Open Friday the 31st of May, 2 till 5. 350 children are free. That's, uh, yes, Sheila Chapman. Go and see Sheila Chapman and say to her, tell her that Ken Crowther sent you. Uh, she won RHS gold medals in her time. She's now retired. She has circular long, long pergola walls festooned with roses and climbers. So go along and have a look and give her a nudge from Ken Crowell. That's 18 Court, Chignall Road, Chelmsford, CM12JQ. Going through to also on the 31st of May, Boyton Cross, the Dragons is open, £4. Um, homemade teas there. Plants, woman, three quarters of an acre garden, well worth going to have a look. It's got ponds, patios, scree areas, vegetable garden and a couple of summer houses. So that's a good one to go and have a look at as well. So they are, there's a few for you to go and see. And uh, going through to the, the weekend, we've got the little Bentley uh, Garden Show, 1st and 2nd of June. Um, that's on the Saturday and the Sunday, 10 till 5. Adults, £10. Children under 15 are absolutely free. Gardens are open. There's show gardens, fine art show, 80 quality trade shows, silent auction, gala preview evening is on the Friday. If you want to know more about that, get in touch with them direct. And it's all in aid of charity. Uh, if you want more information, go to www.littlebentley.net or call 07802282193. I'm going to be popping along there on the Saturday afternoon after my programme here. That's 1st and 2nd of June, Little Bentley Hall Garden Show. Well worth going to have a, have a look at. Let's move on. Uh, we got a Ranger Ramble on the 1st of June, Essex Wildlife Trust, and that's at Fingering Ho Wick Visitor Centre, 10.30 in the morning till 12.30, South Green Road, CO57DN and on the 2nd of June Church Ridge Vineyard Fanbridge Road Hawthorne that's got an open day and that's CM36BZ last but not least Bring Your Own Trail event is on the 1st of June it's at Burnham on Crouch Railway Station. I'm trying to get Ray Clark there, but whether we do or not, I don't know, because he'll tell me he's on the radio because it starts at 10.30 and it finishes at 12.30. So will he get there? No, he won't. But I'll tell you what, he's one of those Burnham allotment holders, but he they have grown Cosmos and other annuals and they are intended to plant out between the shrubs at the station garden borders along the railings. So come on, Burnham on Crouch, Green Spaces Group are going to help. So come on, get out there, bring your trowel to Burnham Railway Station and that's 10.30 till 12.30 on the 1st of June. They are, get along to some of those events and let me know what you think about them. But don't forget, you can send send in information by post to Ken Crowther, BBC Essex, PO Box 765, Chelmsford, CM29XB, or pop them on an email, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. Come on, let's spread the word. Anyway, let's go to Francis in Morden. Hello, Francis. <laughs> Good afternoon, or nearly good afternoon, anyway. Um, it's not kind of related to plants and such, but uh, I was telling the lady, I think her name was Ruth, who was suffering severely with being bitten. Mm. And, um, and I said to the lady when I phoned out, I don't know if you can say products, but a bizarre product which works extraordinarily well against midges and bats and mosquitoes is uh, Avon's Skin So Soft. <laughs> <laughs> You laugh. Um, but if it works... It, it works. I came across it in Scotland. I went into a fish and chip shop and on the shelf was rows of Avon Skin So Soft. So you have to ask the question, excuse me, why have you got nothing to the... Do they put it on their chips? stuff. And apparently when they'd done the, um, the film with Mel Gibson in about the famous Scottish person mm. up there, they were all suffering from being bitten like hell with um, midges. Yeah. And it turned out that a local person knew about using skin so soft and it keeps them away. And I've used it for years now and I rarely have ever get bitten. And I'm, like the lady, I suffer hugely from being a food source or used to be a food source. 
for those little bitey creatures. <laughs> and so, you've got lovely skin now as well. Uh, yeah, and, you get, <laughs> and, you, and you get really good skin. <laughs> and it doesn't smell too bad as well, depending on what you're doing. It does get bitten and it looks ten years younger. So just, just for us, I know you're driving, just mention it once more, it's Avon. Skin so soft. Skin so soft. They are? That's lovely. just one thing, just bizarre in Canada. Yep. They actually rename it as a repellent. But not here. No, it's different. I suppose it's different, different ways it's been tested, I would guess. Yeah. 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 Anyway, thank you very much. As long as that police car's not after you, you're fine. (laughs) (laughs) And I uh, I take it uh, Francis was using a hands-free, as we always check before we talk to anyone. Let's go now to Maureen. And Maureen is from Leon C. Hello, Maureen. Oh, hello there, Ken. Um, I've got a bit of a problem with the plants in containers. Um, in as much as there are also a lot of weeds coming up in these containers, some of them are quite hard to pull out, um, dandelions and such like, when they get very tall. Hmm. Uh, do they actually do any harm to the plant that I'm growing in the pot? I take it these, these containers have got sort of long-term plants in them? Yes, yes. Yeah, they're not just popping up much um, bedding. <laughs> danger, that type of thing. Um, they will only they will do harm in the sense that they're, they're sharing the water and the food and, and the space. Yeah. But um, you can normally, if you can just dig in there, you might be able to use like a weed weed tool for tap roots in lawns or something like that. That yeah. you can just go down the edge of that that tap root and give yeah. you half a chance of getting it out. Um, it's not mm. going to kill the plant, but it won't look very pretty. And and who wants to share the water and food with dandelions and things like yeah. that? And the other weed that I get is a it's a very low growing it's got a, a reddy colour or burgundy colour little clover like leaf. Oh yeah. yeah. Has very pretty little yellow flowers. Yeah. That's absolutely rampant. Yeah, well it's oxalis, it's it's like a little clover, red clover. Yeah. Um you can get a larger leaf uh, leaf version of that and it's hugely popular as a, a an alpine. Um oh. but yeah, that little one it, you'll have that for life. Because it's got lots of little runners on it, you know. Tiny, tiny little pips underneath there, and it just spreads around. Okay. Pain in the neck, some of these, (laughs) aren't they? John from Brentwood. Hello, John. Morning, Ken. Um, Cyanothus. Yeah. Got a beautiful blue one at the bottom of my garden. Uh, Is it hard to take cuttings from it? It's not in my garden, you see, but there's, <laughs> there's enough of it over my fence to be able to get it. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think back to my uh, cutting days. I'd probably, it's not an easy one. It's not that easy. It's and an I think easy one. You want semi-ripe, um, and I think that's more of an autumn autumn top job. So you, you want to you'd n- need heat as well. Yeah. Bottom heat, I think you'd need for that. Yeah. They're not easy. Ah, right. I'll leave it then. Go and buy one. Yeah. And it'll be quicker. You'll get one quicker. Hey? Thanks. That's okay, John, but no, they're not an easy easy item no. at all. Uh we've been sent a picture of uh, a plant growing in between the wheat. That's an ash tree, isn't it? Does look like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's an ash tree. Um right, that was sent on a text. Foresight what's growing in between my foresight and the fence. It doesn't say who it is. But anyway, we reckon it's an ash tree. So, yeah, um, thank you very much for your text, whoever you are. Uh, let's go back to the phones. And we're talking camellias, aren't we? I think with John from Benfleet. Yes. Uh, I've got a 27-year-old camellia that's been growing in a pot. And uh, this year it had loads of buds on it, but they all fell off. And uh, very disappointing. So I don't, I don't know what to do. <laughs> it would have been because um, last year... We had a drought you know it was hot yeah, yeah ridiculously yeah. hot dry the plant probably just about made it through on its own um, but they form their buds in sort of july time right so that the actual bud formation for the spring is done then if yeah. there's not enough water if it's so hot if they're under stress they don't they go through the process um but almost like a phantom it produces a flower bud gets yeah. through to the spring and then goes oh there's nothing here and they drop off so, and you never know that whether they've done it properly or not until the spring when they drop off. But, right. Um, so it's just a case of plenty of water, 
good food. There's some good ericaceous uh, feeds out there. Um, you can get the, it help to put it in a bigger pot, do you think? Or? It will certainly help if you can. I mean, yeah. after that many years, it must be in a pretty chunky pot now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, um, okay. if you can. But water, water, and more water, and feed through July, and you'll probably find, given a normal year, it'll be flowering again. Normal years? What are they? Yeah. Gardeners don't have normal years. Come on. (laughs) Uh, Paula from Hockley, you've got a question about wallflowers, haven't you, Paula? That's right. Um, My wallflowers have just started going to seed. Now, can I save the seed and plant it a little later in the year? It depends what they are, depending on what you'll get. Most wallflowers are F1s again. Um, right. And you won't necessarily now, get you what you're expla- Yeah, you should explain. F one is, is basically a hybrid. A hybrid. Yeah. Yes, um, I realise that. Oh, sorry, but no, other people listening might not, you so see. Yeah, that's why we explain. Yeah, the F1s are always formed from two different plants, or at least two, to get the end result. So you then take seed from it, and you may get one of the parents, or you know, you don't get what, what you took them from in the first place. So, right. But yeah, the answer is yes, you can grow yes, them. Yes, you can, but it'll be a bit of a pick and mix of what you'll get. Um, yes. In return. When do, when do I sow the seeds? You've got to let them to dry. Yeah, you? let them dry, um, and probably you're going to be sowing them around about Ju- July June, time. June, June, July. Yeah, depends how you do it. I've seen them done in in little rows in the garden, and then you you can transplant the plants later um, in the autumn. But really, you know, you're autumn planting them, so you're trying to sow the seed in time to get a plant that you might be of an equivalent that you'd buy in autumn to plant. Oh well, I'll have a go. Okay. <laughs> Thank right. you very right. much. I remember doing that at Chigwell Nursery when I were a lad, when Not I first did part-time. No, part-time Bunching sowing them, them in June and July, and you think they won't come up. And yes, they do, yeah. don't they? Yeah. In rows. Got, when they used to dig them up and bunch them up. That's it, Mummy. You've done the same, haven't you? Bunches. Yeah. yeah. God, yeah. Horrible <laughs> job in autumn, isn't it? All yeah. wet and horrible. Wet and sticky. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Heather from Rayleigh. Hello, Heather. Oh, hello, Ken. Good morning. Hello. Morning. Yeah, last year my son bought me a lemon tree. Um, it, it was only about two foot high, but it had a lemon on it. I left it out uh, all through the winter, and when I went out to it in early springtime, it had been eaten away by snails, I think snails. Um, anyway, so I, I, I put some feed on it, um, and I bought it back into the conservatory, and I've left it in there. It's got lots of shoots on it, but nothing else seems to be happening. I don't know what I should be doing with it. Oh, if you've got lots of shoots, it's doing something. You know, they're new shoots. Yeah, there's, yeah. yeah lots of new shoots. Some of the leaves are, are a bit yellow. I don't mm-hmm. know whether it needs a lot of water or just a little bit of water now and again. No, and be, now, now we've got some decent sort of day lengths. The sun's out for a decent length of time and it's warmer and, and, and the plant is growing. You can increase the watering to, to be quite a regular water. As long as it yeah. drains, you know, we don't want it sitting in water. No. Um, and, and really soon, I wouldn't give it much longer. You could probably have it outside, out on the patio and let it get some proper sun. Okay, that's fine. And how often should I feed it? I've got the citrus feed. Once a fortnight, if you remember. Uh, Great if you can, but don't panic if you don't. But once a fortnight's probably a good good sort of routine. That's lovely. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. And Ruth, who was trying to get an insect repellent, someone says you should try a thing called DEET. It's an insect repellent available from outdoor clothing for... So there, there's another one. Mm. Um, another text I'd like to fit in is: Can I use weed killer on pots without harming long-term plants? Um, <laughs> depends. How I know. You use I know them. what. It depends. You're dead right. It depends on how you use them, and it's because the wipes could be. Uh, is the wipe still available? I the, haven't the, seen it, but because the glyphosate wipe was uh, the, gel. the gel. So you could wipe the gel onto yes. the dandelion. That, that dandelion yeah. question would cover that, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, it would, as long as you don't get it on the leaves of the plant that's in the pot as well. And what people don't seem to quite understand is that weed killers that are available today do not go into the soil as such. They're going yeah. into the plant. They can they? only go kill weeds through the leaf and are inert with the soil. They are. Inert. Inert. See, Great word. Yeah, yeah. Ken from West Mersey, uh, you'd like to know about a tree, is that right, Ken? Yes, that's right, Ken. Um, my wife's got a, a little plum tree. It's only about uh, six, seven foot tall. Um, 
in the middle of our lawn and also there's a pear tree about the same size. The pear tree every year um, gets loads and loads of flowers on it. Don't get many pears, but I'm not too worried. But the uh, plum tree also normally gets flowers on it, but this year it's had no flowers yet. I don't know if it's uh, too, I don't think it's too early, but every year um, the leaves all cur- uh, go all curly. Yeah. So this year I said to my wife, uh, let's try feeding it. Uh, so I've, I did put some feed in it, and the leaves are really lovely. Um, they're <laughs> all shiny and not curly or anything, but there's no flowers this time. Uh, I think sometimes plums can have an off year. They just sort of don't yeah. don't do it for for any particular reason. You'll probably find now you're feeding it and you're you know looking after the plant, give it plenty of water. Next year you'll get a, a wash of flowers. They they sometimes just have a have a year off. Okay, so, so don't worry about it at all. All right. Yeah, OK. Thanks very much. Thank you very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions you gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Also remember, if you have a gardening question for us, you can give us a call on 0800 4041 and be part of the programme next Saturday. Yes, every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11.